So I've decided, said Colin Hardcastle, that I'm going to keep one of the flats for myself. He beamed at his assembled friends, who all reacted with delight. Excellent, said Libby Sargent. I always wondered why you hadn't done anything with the building yourself, being in property. I know. I should have done. Colin looked guilty. No need, said Ben Wilde, Libby's significant other. You're doing it now. Let's have another drink to celebrate. He went to the bar where Tim, owner of the Steeple Martin Village pub, had been listening to the conversation. Different bloke now, isn't he? he said as he pulled a new pint for Ben. Wouldn't recognise him from when he first came over in June. Good job too, said Ben. And two halves of lager, please. Weren't you going to take someone over to see that house near the Dunton Estate? Patty Pearson, vicar of St Alberg, a village a little way from Steeple Martin, put in. It's just behind us, more or less. Oh, yes, Colin turned to her, this morning. But it was really odd. I told you last week, didn't I, that Gerald Hall was interested. Who's Gerald Hall? asked Libby, who'd obviously missed the previous conversation. Bloke I met through the business. He said he wanted a base in England and liked the idea of living on the coast. How did you know about the Dunton Estate House? asked Ben. Oh, that was someone else I met in Spain. I was talking about what had happened over here in June, and he said he had a house near here that he wanted to sell. Apparently he and his wife had split up, and he decided he was going to live permanently in Spain. And then I met Jerry and was telling him about what happened. Does everyone in Spain know about what happened over here in June? asked Libby, amused. Well... It was extraordinary, said Colin defensively, you must admit. And I was explaining that I'd decided to make my base over here, you see. In June, Colin had been called back to England by the police after the discovery of a body in a semi-derelict property he owned. Far from giving him a dislike of the area, he had made friends and was becoming a part of the village community. So anyway, Jerry said he wanted to come back to England too, and I mentioned Nick Nash. He's the owner of this house, said Patty, frowning. I think I know the name. Yes, him and his wife Simone. Although I'm not sure she actually part-owned it. It was his before they married. So I put them in touch and arranged to take Jerry over to see it. Nick was flying back specially but he didn't turn up. Nick Nash. Nick Nash. Patty was muttering under her breath. Why do I know that name? One of your congregation, suggested Libby. No. Patty shook her head. Something to do with the church, though, I'm sure. She sighed. Oh, well, it'll come back to me. Do you think you got the wrong day? asked Patty's partner, Anne. Patty came over to Steeple Martin every Wednesday to visit Anne and have a drink with Libby and Ben, her time being somewhat circumscribed as reverend of three parishes. 
No, I checked the message while we were over there and tried to phone him, but it went straight to voicemail. Do you think he's changed his mind? said Ben. I suppose he might have done, but why not let me know? Colin sat back in his chair with a sigh. I can't ask Simone because I don't know where she is, and I haven't got her mobile number. I never knew her very well. I didn't know Nick that well either. He was just part of the expat business community. I don't suppose your friend Jerry's very happy either, said Libby. Where's he staying? Hotel in Canterbury, said Colin. He said he's going to look round the estate agents tomorrow, see if he can find something else. Well, at least it isn't your responsibility anymore, said Ben. I brought Jerry over here, though, said Colin miserably. What a waste of a journey. Doesn't he want to buy one of your lovely new apartments? asked Anne. Colin shook his head. No, he wants a house, uh, preferably one with a bit of land and near the sea. He turned to Patty. You must admit the Dunton estate's perfect. Well, it's near the sea, said Patty. Bit isolated, though. You remember, Libby, where you thought it looked like Rupert Bear Country, with tunnels leading down to caves? <laughs> well, it did, said Libby. That's where the illegal immigrants were landed. She looked at Colin. There's a long history of smuggling in those parts. People and stuff. Stuff? Colin looked alarmed. Drugs. She nodded portentously. And tea and brandy in the past. Tea? Hugely valuable back in the 18th century, said Anne, who worked in a Canterbury library. Even more than gin and brandy. You've heard the old rhyme, haven't you? Brandy for the parson, backy for the clerk. Famous poem by Rudyard Kipling. It rings a bell, said Colin, looking nervous. Don't tease the poor man, said Ben. Don't worry about it, Colin. They found out about all these things over the years. They enjoy airing their knowledge. Patty, Anne and Libby set up a chorus of protest. 